Balotelli. Aguero! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again. Gavin keeps it. Skill on goal. Look at that pass. Hayden! Goal! Columbus! There are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross and Dempsey is denied again. And Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! This is the beautiful game. Oh, it's incredible! Described by two uglies. Stupendous! Welcome to Bone and Beam United. This is a thing of um, genius. All right, so this is a new way to do Bone and Beam United for at least, you know, one episode. We thought everybody else is doing the Zoom meetings, doing the video conferencing, so we thought, why not give it a shot with us and uh, talk about some things that are happening in the world of soccer. And we had a big day yesterday with Der Klassiker. That's right. In Germany. My guys and, against your guys. Yeah. So I have adopted Borussia Dortmund kind of in the cheesiest way possible, which is they're black and gold. I like the black and gold. That's an easy connection. But the bigger reason that I've grown to like them, obviously, is, you know, the last, what, three, four years when Polisic was there kind of, you know, making things happen and, I found myself watching a ton more Borussia Dortmund games, kind of getting involved, rooting for that team. And then, of course, now they've got another bright young American in Giovanni Reina. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of it does come from the fact that I watch those games because I'm excited to see, hopefully, the future of U.S. soccer. Uh, but also, I mean, as you watch a game, it's hard not to pick a team, right? I, at least for me, I can watch some games and not have any interest. But if I keep watching one team over and over and over and over again, eventually... I'm going to start developing an affinity for seeing them win. So that's my like diehard level of rooting for uh, Borussia Dortmund. But you've been rooting for Bayern much longer than that. I mean, you've been a fan of them for years, right? Yeah. So like, I mean, if you listen to the podcast, you know that, you know, when I started to watch soccer, I got kind of ingratiated by Manchester United and Arsenal because when I was growing up in a middle school, like those were the two big teams and that was the easiest access that you could get in the States. So I'm like, all right, you know, we'll go for Manchester United because all my friends at the time were Arsenal fans. And as you do, you cheer against your friend's team and then it becomes a fandom of your own. But yeah, it all started for me at least like really following the Bundesliga and following Germany. Like because I mean, like my my the entire the entirety of my mom's family, like past generations and stuff are from Germany. And I believe I think they're from somewhere in Bavaria. Like I'll have to ask my grandma, but like, I just remember them being, you know, big soccer fans and it's either that or Dusseldorf. Like, I don't know which one it is. So don't yell at me. It's fine. I do. I'm going to go on ancestry.com. I'm going to find your history. I was just yeah. watching the like genetic, like cold case woman yesterday on TV. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do that with you figure out where your family's from and then yell at you on the next like episode. right because i because it's confusing like i asked her like you know i'm like all right well you know what where are we from they're like okay well you know part of our family has a farm in dusseldorf and the other ones are in bavaria and i'm like all right well that's fine bavaria i know Bayern munich so i'll just go for them and so then my my roommate in college he was a big he's big Bayern munich guy like that's his team okay honestly it's like the nth degree and i'm like all right that's sweet and so, like, I just kind of jumped on with them. So, yes, I am a big-time frontrunner cheering for Manchester United and Bayern Munich. So I, mean, I didn't want to say it, but the other – I mean, the other part of that, though, is I think it would be hard not to, especially picking European teams. Now, granted, I, I am a Sunderland fan with England, but 
Sunderland, there was like, like you, there's a little connection there. I had a buddy who was, who was a big Sunderland guy who was from England, who convinced me to root for them. But generally speaking, if you're going to pick a European soccer team, and, and like you said, I mean, sometimes there's a connection. A lot of times there isn't, or it's just, you're looking for a way to stay interested. Well, what games are you more likely to watch? Right. I mean, as much as I, I like to poke fun at you for the Manchester United stuff, like your reasoning is sound. You watched a lot of their games growing up. You know, yeah. Bayern Munich, if you're going to watch you know, German Kevin soccer. Reiner and Cristiano Ronaldo and Carlos Tevez and, like, all these different guys, Paul Scholes, Ryan Giggs. Like, that didn't hurt. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you – like, I <laughs> – now, I have a buddy who is, like, a Watford fan. And, I mean, I have a ton of respect for him because sure. he just he just picked that up and said, that's going to be my team. But it, it's it's hard to just simply join and say, I'm going to root for – dregs trust me i can tell you as a sunderland fan i wish i had made a different choice i really do but ultimately this is where i am and i'm not getting out of it it's a so. netflix special so at least you got that no no that's true i do have the i do have the netflix special so that's been good but overall uh the, i don't blame people for you know picking a good team i kind of wish i would have which is why i've enjoyed kind of picking on like the chelsea bandwagon a little bit with Polisic and saying, all right, well, I'll root for them in the big clubs because what else do I have to root for, right? So I, I get it. But that is our fandom of Der Klassiker. That is how you and I kind of came to root for our teams. So that takes us to the game yesterday, which was a very interesting you know, proposition where I've been watching these German Bundesliga games. I had seen a few of them already with no fans. And it's an interesting thing prior to what they did for this game. What I had seen was just the natural sound from the stadium, which mm -hmm. was, you know, I, just the yeah. ball thumping, you know, players yelling at each other, like, you know, instructions being shouted from the sidelines. Like those are, those are the things you kind of expect. And it was kind of cool. I just wish I spoke more, you know, German and Spanish and whatever else is being spoken Italian. Like I wish I spoke some of those languages so I could maybe pick up some of what was being said. Cause it was pretty interesting. Yeah, it was. So, you know, I, 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 I'm an affinity of the game, right? Like I just, I have an affinity for, for both things. And so I found it interesting yesterday because I'm with you, you know, like when the Bundesliga restarted, it was almost must watch TV, I think for a lot of the sports world. And like you and me, like we're probably watching anyways, and the people who listen to this podcast, like, yeah, you're going to probably, you know, circle your day around that. But I think there are a lot of eyes in the sports world that are on the Bundesliga right now. Like, how are they doing this? How are they getting back? Like Germany's not a small country. So like, how are they getting to this point as everybody looks to restart sports leagues? And so I, I'll tell you this right now, like I know that you tweeted it from our Twitter account at Bone Beam United yesterday. Like, are you a fan of the pumped in game noise or were you a fan of the silence? And I have an affinity for both. Honestly, like I, I really do. I thought it was going to be I thought it was going to be hokey. I thought it was going to be cheesy. Like there's no way that it's just, it's going to sound good. And that led to a lot of questions. Like, are the players hearing this? Like what's, what's right. going on. And so we actually found out that, you know, it's just being pumped through the TV. I believe it was Derek Ray. Yeah, Ray, yeah. Yeah. Great commentator. And he was, he was tweeting about it. Like in Germany, you could actually watch two stations on sky sports. They had, one without the sound, one without the pumped in fan sound and one with, but I will say this after watching a couple weeks of the Bundesliga without sound and them doing, doing that entire broadcast and then watching it yesterday with the pumped in sound, like 
I'm a fan of both. Like, do I like to hear what the players are saying? Yeah, sure. I don't speak much German. I took a couple of years in school. I can get my way around by looking at like body language and demeanor and what has happened on the play. Like I kind of understand that. Right. But at the same time, I do feel like even though it was manufactured somewhere in a studio, this crowd sound, like it was pretty well done. Like it really was. It wasn't just like oh, really well done. Yeah, I, I I did not expect that. And and I by the way, I was just checking to see what it was on Twitter. I posted the poll yesterday. Did you enjoy the crowd sound or not? 62% of the people who responded said yes. Like yeah. I liked having the crowd sound. I do wish we had the option like they do in Germany to flip over. Yeah. And I think for you know American sports leagues when they come back to whatever level, like the NFL has thoughts of doing this, great. But find a way if you can to give me an alternate like feed i don't know you can you can easily hit a button on your remote and get the spanish language like let's find a way to maybe add that in too where you could you know have native sound or the crowd sound but i really from like an audio obviously bit of an audio nerd like i really (laughs) i want to know who the guy was that was or the gal who was in charge of hitting the button every time you know, fading in because I'm I'm guessing their setup just from not you know having seen it, but I'm wondering how they did that. You have to think they probably had a loop of five to ten minutes or more of crowd chants that are in different moods. Like so for so for things are going well. Here's five or six ten minute loops of you know the the yellow wall just going crazy. Mm-hmm. Then here's like five minutes of whistling and booing and people just acting outraged and then everything in between they had to have it on like multiple audio sources and kind of fading it up and down like you know dj jazzy jeff just sitting there mixing like i I, that would be maybe i should apply for that one i really want to see their setup i hope i mean hell what else are we all doing right there's still i mean a lot of people getting back to work but also like there's not a ton going on in the sports world i would hope fox would go into that on one of these broadcasts and say hey you heard this here's how that's happening here's 10 minutes with or five minutes with that person here's what they're doing in our studio i think it's pretty like for me that's interesting but at the end of the day however they're getting it done it to me enhanced the broadcast and for 95 98 of it i didn't see the crowd you know what i mean they're not they're showing you the field and so when you're watching a game you can't see the stands and you hear that noise for brief moments, your brain kind of just tricks itself into going, Oh yeah, we're, this is normal. This is, there's people there, they're yelling. Maybe some people don't like it, but for the most part, I, I didn't think I would like it. And I, I was changed on that by actually watching it and experiencing it. So I I was was, wrong. I I was kind of too. So like I was going in yesterday, obviously like the match, you know, was it's, it's big enough to draw you in because there's a four point gap between the teams at the start and a lot of games left. So it's like, all right, the match already has, a lot of buildup to it. Like, and it's got everything that you could possibly want. And so that was just another kind of wrinkle that I was going to be interested to see how it sounded. Now, if it was like a blanket sound of just crowds chanting for 90 minutes, then I think it would have been different, but yeah, like you're right. Like the dynamicness of it was really outstanding. I thought from like, like I enjoyed it at night, but I could see how, you know, if you're a, a diehard fan of the game, right how you want to hear everything that is going on. And like, I get it. There's a sweet spot in my heart for that. You know, hearing people like dissecting the game and especially the players of their level being as great as they are. Like, I, right. 
but I thought they they really did that well. Yeah, I mean, I think even going back to the uh, the Tiger Phil thing with Peyton and Tom Brady, that was you know, amazing. I'm sure you enjoyed that, but that I, I, I thought that was the draw for someone like me who is not a hardcore golf guy. Is I presume there's a little bit of talking going on, you know, in between you know shots throughout a PGA Tour event, mm-hmm. but we never get to hear that. Or rare, I mean, if you hear anything, you get to hear the caddy and the you know the golfer talking. Which I nerd out about, but I know like the majority of people are like, all right, it's 150 yards, man, just hit the shot. Right, right. But I'm saying, like, I, I do think that with the crowd, you know, being there at, say, the Masters, you don't get to hear it if one of the golfers makes a little remark to the other golfer, you know, or if they're joking around walking up to a tee box or something. Like, I, I enjoy that aspect, too. Don't get me wrong. But for the soccer side of it, I, I would have loved to have seen some of that. But the trade-off was it felt like it felt like we were back to normal. So, right. yeah, I really can't complain about that. As far as the match itself goes, uh, you know, it worked out for your guys, not so much for my guys, but uh, let's talk about that because the goal itself from Kimmich was it's not, I, that's what I thought, but I saw a lot of people saying like, oh, goalkeeper, how dare he, Roman Berkey should have got that. And it's like, mm-hmm. he, yeah, if he was a little taller, I, I mean, I get it. Like you're an elite goalkeeper. It's a big match. You can't let anything in, but I thought the shot was just so good and that's his style. He plays a little bit off his line. You're going to get caught out by that when someone puts it into basically a shoebox, which is what you had to do to score that goal. I mean, I think the the emphasis for me was much more on Kimmich actually making the play, not uh, people were saying it was Jordan Pickford or whatever. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I, I thought it was a really great uh, shot by him that just beat a good goalkeeper. Yeah, I just you look at that goal bone, and it's one of those ones where you know it'll be debated for a while. Like, was it Roman Berkey's fault, or was it Joshua Kimmich who like actually played it in the right spot and knew the goalie was off his line? But I think I mean it's a little bit of both, right? Like you can look at that goal a hundred times and maybe fifty fifty and say like, yeah, that was just an incredible shot, or yeah, maybe a little bit of a stronger wrist and you keep the ball out, and it's nil nil, and it's a different story. But for me, like Byron deserved a goal. You know, like yeah. at that point in the game, going into halftime, like I was texting you yesterday, you know, during all this. And I'm like, this is amazing. Because for about 15 minutes there from like the 30th minute all the way up to halftime, I mean, it was just back and forth and back and forth. And like it was as open-ended of a game as you'll ever see. So like it was really fun. And I think that Joshua Kimmich, like, you know, the guy who drives the midfield and who does everything for Bayern, like that is their guy. Like you think yeah. of like, Philip Lahm and Bastian Schweinsteiger and all these guys who were like midfield motors and the engines, right? And he just continues to impress on the highest level and he really deserved that goal. And then at the end of the game, I mean, you saw what it meant to him. I mean, double fist pumps out, like screaming, there's nobody in the crowd. Like it just shows you what, you know, this kid is, he's so good. He's so young. He is fantastic. And he deserved, he deserved the goal. Like I thought I'm with you. Like it was is world class, you know. And I know that gets said a lot about goals, especially when you're at this level, because it does. It takes something special usually to score, and especially with a game of this magnitude. And it's exactly what what Kimmich did. And I thought Bayern were the better side for the majority of the game, and that's that's how it ended up being. Yeah, I mean, also, I mean, he, it's not like he chipped him from. I, sometimes people get more excited about the chip from 40 yards where the goalkeeper is like standing there like you would if the ball is in the other end and it just bounces the wrong way. They get one touch to it and the goalkeeper can't do anything. I mean, in this case, goalkeepers pretty well positioned. I mean, they said 
Kimmich actually said after the game that we were told, you know, he gets off his line a little bit, you know, more than he should. And let's try to exploit that. So a good coaching, good scouting, but also then to have the technical ability to put that in from where he was on the field body going away from the goal. Like, again, if you don't think that was, a, if I guess we get spoiled sometimes, right? Like if you don't think that's a world-class goal, I, then I, I don't know. Yes. I guess we've, well, you know what it is. We've grown up in the era of Messi and Ronaldo, not grown yeah, up, exactly. but like, Right. We spent so, the last 12 years watching those two guys do stuff like this all the time. And so it's like, oh, yeah, that's that's what what that's that's fine. He didn't score three of them. And it's like, what? Well, yeah, because most people don't like in history, not just like today, but in history. So, yeah, I, I think that's great. About that. So last week, I mean, I was off and had a lot of time to just kind of hang out and everything. And it was raining, so I didn't get to play any golf last week. But yeah. I was I actually I went down the biggest like YouTube wormhole of my life because there was one day, I mean, it was just, as you know, if you live in central Ohio, I mean, it was just raining all day. And I, I think I probably spent five, five and a half hours on my couch, just watching YouTube videos of Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi, like just watching everything that they have done. And then I got down a wormhole of Wayne Rooney and like Paul, like it was bad. Like I'm talking like, five hours straight on the couch where I did not move, like just sat there with the, the little Roku remote and just mm. searching on YouTube. But you're right. Like we do, we get so used to these guys, especially like those two. I know there's, there's great young players who are all around the world who are doing the same thing. And like, there are wonder goals all the time, but like you, you shouldn't be able to do Cristiano Ronaldo and Leo Messi do, you know what I mean? Like that's, that shouldn't even be a thing that that happens like those two are aliens i'm i'm convinced like they don't belong of yeah. this world and so like we see a goal like that yesterday and if it was cristiano ronaldo or Lionel messi it'd be like oh my god one of the greatest goals of all time like you know what i mean it wouldn't even be a question about if the goalie was off his line so you're right like we do inherently get spoiled because like you're living in a wonder age right now of the game that's that is a pretty good point too because it's so odd that we do that with those guys where if anything, the standard for their level of excellence should be higher where we're like, well, yeah, of course, Messi did that. He does that all the time. That's not one of That's not even a top 50 goal for him. You know what right. I mean? Like, okay, top that would, uh, that would make more sense. 300 top 400. <laughs> but that is not, that's how it's the opposite of that, right? Like a guy like Messi does that. If he had that exact same goal yesterday, it would be this is why Messi's the greatest player and we'll never see anything like him. Only Messi could have done this, you know, whatever. And it's, it's not wrong. A lot of times, I mean, Messi is one of the few players that can do things like that, but Kimmich is a world-class player. He he's is great. fantastic for Byron. Was he got like 13 or 14 assists this year? He's, mm. he's, he's great. And I'm not saying he compares to a Messi, but to then like undercut it and say, well, a goalkeeper could have done better. Yeah. Goalkeepers could have done better on probably 90% of Messi's goals too. You know why he, they didn't because they're watching put, him in the ball. <laughs> right. He put the ball in a spot that made them have to be at their best. And he wasn't, that's what the great players do in soccer. It's not that every shot ever is going to be 150 miles an hour and you just can't stop it. Even if you got in front of it, it's that, the great players put goalies in a position and defenders and, and everybody else in the field, they put them in a place where they have to make a choice or they have to make a play. And more often than not, the great ones find ways to break that ability from the other player to get them to make a mistake, to get them just slightly 
to, to put the ball where it just can't be reached. You know, it's a, the toe is just an inch away from stopping the great pass. That's the beauty of soccer. And that's why we love it. It is a game of millimeters sometimes, not just inches. And so, yeah, I thought that was pretty great. Um, talking about younger players though, let's talk about Dortmund, uh, Jadon Sancho. Uh, so this is a guy who I should be, I, I, you know, you want to see him on the field, but unfortunately coming back from the COVID-19 stuff, everybody getting back to training, he suffered a calf injury. So if you've been watching Borussia Dortmund, he's been coming in after halftime. And as much as I understand that, I mean, he's only been training for like 10 or 12 days. They said, I just have to wonder if he was in this game, what level of difference he could have made. Could he have gone the full 90? Uh, You know, obviously Erling Holland had a chance in this game. He didn't bury it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You could even talk about the uh, Boateng falling down arm out. Is that, I mean, there there were lots of ways that Dortmund could have won this game, but unfortunately none of them worked out, but let's talk about that VAR thing for the non VAR uh, shot there. Do you think that should have been VAR? I saw someone on Twitter maybe have the best comment of the day yesterday. It's like Jerome Boateng gave the ball the old COVID handshake, you know, like elbow out, like turns around, spins and elbows the ball. But like, yeah, you can't, my- that was a COVID handball. That's what that was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly you can't use was. your hands because you don't want to give the ball coronavirus, of course. So like, that's not mine. So I apologize to whoever said that. I don't remember yeah. who it was, but it was like hilarious, right? And so here's my thing. And we've talked about this before, and I'm sure it'll come up again. Like you have VAR, right? And I know they didn't call it right away because it's a bang, bang play. And it's like, all right, you know, whatever. But if you then look at it again and someone who is up in the booth, who is like the designated replay official, when you see a replay of that, I don't care if it's two minutes after play that it's late getting to you. Like you have to go yeah. and take a look at that because for me, like that's, that was an obvious handball. I, I know that, you know, you could say what you want and like, was he extended? Like his elbow was extended from his body and I don't know if it was blatant or not if he did that on purpose or if that was the way that he fell but his arms were not tucked inside of him I thought for sure like his elbow was extended off of it and at least look at it because for me that was a penalty like yeah day every day because if we go back to last year's Champions League and we're talking about you know Marcus Rashford and the goal that he scored against PSG where I don't remember the defender literally jumps up, turns around, has both elbows tucked in and just hits him on the arm. And that's a penalty. Like Jerome's definitely was. Yeah. I, I feel like the argument could be made, but, but my, I have a counter argument for it. The argument would, could be made. Well, he was trying to flip his body over. So he didn't take, you know, <clears throat> a point blank shot from a world-class <laughs> player smack in the face which is an instinct I can appreciate. I think we all can understand why you'd want to not do that. However, when you're trying to roll over, he used his arms to kind of turn his body instinctually over and his arm to do that had to create some momentum and his arm stuck out and that's where the ball hit him. And I guess I look at that as if you're a player who jumps in the air to like block a shot, naturally your arms, if you're not mindful of it, your arms will like, extend for balance like if you jump through the air your arms just go out to the side because you need to balance yourself and if the ball hits your arm if it hits the same spot on your arm if he was like jumping in the air and his arm was out here like you know out 90 degrees from his body they call that every time what intentional yeah. non-intentional it doesn't matter your arms away from your body and the ball hit it that's a that's a clear as day penalty so 
the fact he's on the ground, I think kind of muddled it, but you're right. That's why you have VAR. You're supposed to be able to look at stuff like that. And that one to me on replay looked like, yeah, there was at least a case to go stop it and look at it. Maybe they eventually decide not to give it to him, but I'm not saying that as a, as a disgruntled Dortmund fan, I just, I think that is something that should have been looked at, even if they came back and said, okay, we reviewed it and we didn't feel like it was enough to not review. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. And, and I'm with you. And then you go to later stages in the game where Bayern had had the game put away and they were just playing keep away from Dortmund. I mean, the Lewandowski, you know, foul. I don't know if, if you were yeah. late on, like, right. If you yeah. were doing like prep for the show or anything like that. No, but I saw it. I'm, I'm looking at that and I'm like, well, what the hell is going on here? Because like, it was to me also another foul. Like that's, that's a penalty every time too. Like got in his way, heavy shoulder. I don't know. I don't know what was happening. So I, I have, I have no idea what the VAR situation was yesterday, but it was, it was not good. It wasn't consistent. It wasn't good. I mean, that was the most important match in the entirety of the Bundesliga season and I'm sure it's going to be marred in controversy over yeah. both. Even though Bayern went on to win the game, it's beside the point. Like, I think it, there should have been two penalties in that match. No, it's, it's very questionable refereeing. And to your point, if it was 0-0 at that stage in the game and that happened, sure. you're telling me they're not calling that penalty? Like, there, is, there are no fans in the stands. There still would have been a riot. Like, <laughs> the, the Bayern, yeah. you know, employees <laughs> would have all jumping over the railing and coming over to fight the ref. Like, of course that should have been a penalty. It's yeah. I don't know. For me, I look at that and I think that almost, that's one of those calls where like Shaquille O'Neal had that in basketball where it's just like, well, whatever. He's still, he's still going to get the They're winning the game. What does it matter? Yeah. It was like, they were looking at this, like, well, you're Bayern and you've, you've taken over the game and you've, you know, clearly established you're the better team and they're not going to come back and score. But what if they had, if they tied that up, that would have been a total injustice for Bayern to not get the two points. Even if you want to argue, well, I mean, unless it's a makeup call, right? Unless it's saying, well, we didn't give the penalty for for Dortmund, so we're not going to give this one for Bayern, and now everybody's square. I still don't think that's the way you should referee. If you missed a call earlier, don't just then go and miss a call again. Like, try to be the best referee you can. And that seemed to me like uh, poor officiating. So, yeah, uh, unfortunately... It was it was really wild, but I mean, can we just talk about though, Bone? I mean, my guy Alfonso Davies and how? Oh gosh, yeah, we haven't even got to that, and and that's like the guy is unbelievable. Like I saw Romelu Lukaku tweet yesterday, uh, and he was he's like, I mean, Davies is fast as f f f f. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was hilarious because like all of a sudden, you know, like I don't. I think we do appreciate it, right? And you were giving me a great lesson when we were doing our MLS preview about Alfonso Davies and his time in MLS. But, like, you're looking at this kid now. He's from North America, right? Young Canadian kid. And he is shining on the world stage. Like, you're talking about one of the biggest rivalries in soccer, top five rivalry in the entire game, one of the biggest ones on the globe. And this kid is out here dominating and continuing. Like, he's... I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it with him. Dude, it's, 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 I will say this. It's an encouraging sign that Canada can have a player that develops like that. And we don't talk about Canadian soccer as far as the national team a whole, a whole lot. You don't. But... I do that on my other podcast. <laughs> yes. It's called just <laughs> beam, eh? <laughs> like that's yeah, your, exactly. that's your that's Canadian soccer podcast. So, <laughs> right. But that, 
the fact that they were able to produce a player who I, and I know the U S has produced Christian Pulisic, but you could argue right now that like, I mean, Christian Pulisic has always had the, he could be one of the better players in European football. He is a guy who has a lot of talent and should be able to shine at the highest levels. He's a bright hope for America's future. I don't think we've ever heard him describe quite the way you're hearing Alfonso Davies describe where it's like, he might be the best player in the world at his position under the age of 25 like that that might be just on the planet right i mean yes but but certainly like even if it was just under the age of 25 so canada does not have last i checked a more robust training facility structure than the u.s does they do not have more youth teams than the u.s they do not have a bigger population obviously than the u.s does and they were able to produce a great player uh, who clearly came up through their system and, and learned from MLS teams, right? I mean, he was in, you know, Vancouver's system and all that. Nice. But, yeah, I'm just saying the, your favorite team, the Burgundy, <laughs> fighting Burgundies, as we call them. <laughs> but that's that's got to be encouraging to 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 figure out if the U.S. could just harness some more of the potential that we know is there. There, there have to be Alfonso Davies in waiting. There have to be more Christian politics in waiting. And Gio Reyna is, you know, could could perhaps eclipse all of them. We don't know. But I, I would love to see that, by the way. But all of that said, to say Alfonso Davies playing at that level, even though it's not an American player, it's a player produced on this continent in a system that is similar to what the U.S. has and maybe not even as good as what the U.S. has from a youth standpoint. So that should give the U.S. hope that you could eventually produce a couple guys who are world-class, not just not just in the world class, but leaders of the class, like Alfonso Davies seems to be right now. My yeah, big question yeah. for him, Beamer, I have one question for you on him. Do you think that his game, if he figures out positioning, because he even pointed out that there were a few times where he was out of position and then he made it up with his just amazing speed. If he gets the positioning thing figured out in the next 18 months, are we looking at a guy who could, you know, just, just be – be talked about as the greatest player on the planet i mean are we in that stratosphere or would you think a defender will ever get that type of love no i don't think we'll ever see that just because it's obviously not you know as flashy as a position but i do think that you know he's obviously earning the respect and has he's got my respect i know he's got your respect and a lot oh, of yeah. people do but i mean we're talking about like going to the masses you know, I don't know how many people are watching Bayern Munich on a week-in, week-out basis outside of Germany. Now, with all this coronavirus stuff going on, I think you're going to get a nice little, like, bright spot shined on Alfonso Davies and what he is. But as far as, you know, best player in the world, I, I, don't, I don't think so. But certainly the best player, you know, at his, at his position, I think that – Well, he, yeah, that's – I mean, that still would be – that's an immense accomplishment. <laughs> If you're yeah, exactly. the best that's 11 in the world, right. I guess you're right. Yeah. That's right. probably so, more like, of where I should have been talking. Yes. You you look at him and what he is. I mean, cause you know, we've had incredible defenders. I mean, you want to talk about, I mean, just at Bayern, Philip Lahm, look what he did, you know, I mean, for so long, he was there and dominated the game and captain Germany to a world cup and like all these different things. And like, even though among soccer fans, like you're known as one of the best, best players, one of the best 11 in the world, you're not going to get, that kind of hype but certainly it's on the table for him I mean if he actually you know if he actually learns not learns the game he knows the game but like you said like gets into his positioning well and like actually starts doing like the technicality part of it 
and doesn't just rely on his pure athleticism and skill to get him back in positions. I, I don't know if there was like you talk about Marcelo when he was at his peak and David Alaba, who he unseated at Bayern yeah, as right. like all these different players who have been so good for so long at that position with his speed. I mean, he, he can cross the ball. His through balls are fantastic. His supply balls are great. Yeah, like it's amazing. It's amazing. Like this, this kid could play wherever he wanted to on the field. And it reminded me kind of of Kimmich, you know, with what he does because he started out as a defender and then now he's moved into that central midfield position for Bayern. So like really he can, for me, he can do whatever he wants to, as long as Bayern, you know, keeps him happy and they they're going to keep him at Bayern Munich for a while. But I mean, he can, to me, he can do anything he wants. Yeah. And I guess the, the, you know, you look at the Kylian Mbappe's of the world and all the other, you know, star talents of the world that we often talk about because they score goals. And I guess the the point is, if you can't have one of those guys, the next type of player you'd want is a guy like Alfonso Davies, who is a two-way player who can shut down or can severely limit the other team's best attackers and can also then go ripping up the sidelines, wear down that side of the defense for the other team and put in some great balls that are going to give your guys better chances to look like an Mbappe or a Messi, you know, because they're, they're going to be getting better service. So for me, if you can't have a world-class striker or a world-class 10, then the next guy you want is one of those utility, not uh, utility, nice, not even the right word. Like, I don't mean that he's just kind of a, does everything a little bit. Well, I mean, he plays his position. Yeah. He's, yeah. And it's crazy to think of him as like, again, I'm always boggled my mind that like, we're talking about the, Romelu Lukaku was talking about a guy that I went to Crew Stadium and watched play in front of like, you know, 12,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody was just like, oh, yeah, Alfonso Davies, he's supposed to be good. Let's he's check him be out. All right one day, maybe he'll do something in the Premier League. Like, no, nope, he's, yes. uh, he's doing just fine. Yeah, maybe someday. We'll see. Speaking of the Premier League, for what it's worth, uh, they the latest that is coming out of England is that all the teams have gotten together and agreed to resume training. Uh, which they're already doing training, but to resume training with uh, like a more or less full squad scrimmages and actually getting back to, you know, no more social distancing training. They're actually going to have full on groups. I did read in the article because actually Beamer sent this to me before we started the show. Uh, Very important. Yeah. Got to do prep. <laughs> um, but that, that article said that I forget what trainer they, they quoted from one of the teams so they were using those vests that the, have the chips in them that allow you to kind of track like players' heart rate and everything else. They were yeah. using those. They can actually see what distance players are on the field at any given time. And then, of course, they can take all that data and turn it into a percentage and say, here's how many times, like the percentage of time that our players are spending on average within six feet of each other. And they said it was like 97% of the time they are not within six feet of each other. As far as, and those were from pre COVID-19 trainings that they went back and analyzed. So the point being, they're able to get back to training and June 12th is the date that they have put on the calendar as, you know, when it's safe to return, that could be it. So good, good signs coming out of England. And I'm quite sure they're watching Bundesliga results and more specifically coronavirus results from that to see how this goes over the next couple of weeks. If, if Germany suddenly has a big outbreak, that's going to be a problem for everybody else around the world. But if they don't, maybe Premier League can get back too and, and some of the other leagues below them. 
Yeah, and that's what I was saying. You know, I think all of the sports worlds around the globe, you know, were kind of tuning in to to the Bundesliga to see how this looks, what does it feel like, what does it sound like, and everything. And like, you know, ultimately, I guess we're not going to know now. I think we're we were in the, what third match day of of yeah. going down the line during this pandemic. So like, a different world of sports, and I think you know as time goes on, like we'll start to see stuff that's happening with the coronavirus in Germany. Like, are there more cases in the Bundesliga and is there are people more susceptible? So like, I don't think we're going to know a whole lot through three weeks, maybe through six weeks we will. And what that's going to look like as far as, you know, everything goes in the COVID front. But yeah, you look at, you know, the stuff that's going on in England right now in the premier league and getting back and hopefully June 12th is going to be their day, but it's, you know, it's wild. And like, as we, you know, know here in the States, like we, we had the NHL yesterday announced that, all right, you know, we don't know when this is going to happen, but the Blue Jackets are going to take on the Maple Leafs and like, they're going to have an expanded playoffs and all that different stuff. So, you know, I look at, look at the Premier League and it's, it's fascinating because you have Liverpool who are going to, you know, waltz to the trophy. I mean, they could just right. do anything that they wanted and they're going to get there. The fight for the champions league and what that is and then obviously the relegation battle but to me like it just feels like i don't know and maybe i'm like totally out of left field on this but like germany is a country it's like all right like we're gonna be like very strict with regulations and everything and like we're gonna do this do that make sure that that everything is all good and England, on the other hand, is like, all right, we'll, we'll follow rules, but we'll just, we'll see if we can kind of get by. So, like, I, I almost am fascinated to see, like, how the rigidness of, like, both leagues and countries and, like, how much do you actually follow the rules, like, is this going to get? You know what I mean? Does that make yeah. any sense? No, I, I think it does. And I do think that, uh, you know, in England, I think it, maybe there is, because that is, you know, the NFL of Europe, you know, for lack of a better term, Whereas maybe like as, as far as popularity goes in the world of soccer, I'm not saying that these leagues are, it's, there's really not a good comparison, but like the NHL in the U S is clearly like lower on the totem pole than the NA, the NFL. And I don't feel like in the NHL, you have quite as much of the players, you know, feeling like, uh, I don't know if entitled's the right word, but you know what I mean? Like the, the NHL players tend to just be more like, what do we have to do? All right, we're going over here. It, I don't know why. It, it's probably just because they're lower on the totem pole. Whereas the NFL, maybe it's just constantly we don't hear about it. Yeah, yeah it could be that too. And and by the way, Major League Baseball also has like plenty of divas who are also all saying like, I don't want to necessarily come back if unless it's safe. And I'm not saying that makes you a diva. I'm just saying they have more of a voice. I think Premier League players feel like they have more of a voice, maybe. Whereas sure. Bundesliga players, I don't I get, get that. They yeah. feel as much because a lot of them are either like seasoned guys from Germany who are just, like you said, more used to that way of thinking and that, that culture, or they're young players. Like, is Gio Reyna going to pipe up and say, I don't feel safe? No, he wants to get out there and play. <laughs> Alfonso Davies, like those guys are going to go play. So look at in England, look at who is speaking out right now. Yeah. Troy Deeney, that's a veteran who has, you know, been around the block plenty of times. Troy Deeney has been very vocal that he doesn't feel like it's safe to resume training yet, and he's not. Golo Conte, another guy who is yep. being very vocal and saying, I don't feel comfortable. Those are guys who have played a long time. They have more than enough money. 
and they no one doubts their stature as far as yeah these are all guys who have come out and said like i don't i don't necessarily need to do this and i don't feel comfortable doing it and good for them by the way i'm not knocking that they should they should voice how they feel on that and and it should be received and understood i mean yeah selfishly i want to see soccer return but i also don't want to see anybody you know dealing with coronavirus in such a way that it's causing undue harm to their family you know i know we always look at the elite athlete and say well they're probably not going to get sick from this or if anybody's going to bounce back from it it'd probably be them maybe so how do you know we don't know we don't know for sure but also they have a lot of them have wives or or children or parents that they may want to visit or see more regularly or that they live with and in those cases how are you going to tell that guy hey you shouldn't be worried about the fact that you could pass something to them that could cause them to go to the hospital it could cause them to possibly even lose their life so I respect that and I'm definitely not minimizing it, but maybe that's partially wise. Cause I think in England, everyone in England is kind of more or less at the top of their game in Germany. You have like a lot of veteran guys who are just kind of, you know, playing out their careers to some degree. I'm not trying to knock Germany or they it sounded like to me, bone that you just, or they're young players who are coming through and on their <laughs> way. So maybe not as likely to voice their opinions, though. There are plenty of guys who are vocal there in Germany too um anything else you want to get to before we we get out of here i appreciate everybody who you know checked in and is watching us on youtube Thanks yeah absolutely time. mike jake matt morgan caleb juan our guys man yeah thanks for, yeah, for tuning absolutely. in and uh yeah and if you jumped in late on this you missed part of what we were talking about if you want to go back and hear it this will be on the podcast stream so you will get to listen to that as well by the way um i, I should plug one of our other podcasts that the station is just starting up uh nerd association is a podcast that is coming through from the fan and it features a couple of our uh talents at the station that you may not get to hear as often mark finch aka chops he is uh hosting this along with daniel barnett who is one of our ON reporters they are both uber nerds but they also enjoy hearing from people at the station who like to nerd out on things so They've done I've, a couple of podcasts I've already. Many, many firsthand accounts of this podcast being done in my cubicle that mm -hmm. it leads to hour-long discussions about the stupidest stuff you could even imagine. Yes. So we thought, why not just record them having those discussions and make that a podcast? So we're doing that. It's called Nerd Association. You can find it wherever you get Bone and Beam United. Go get it on iTunes, Spotify. Uh, I don't know why I said iTunes, it's Apple Podcasts, but whatever, you get the idea. Uh, but you can find it there. And they did one episode on Animal Crossing, which is really interesting because I know nothing about Animal Crossing, but I know it's huge. Uh, My understanding of Animal Crossing is that things are laying on the floor and you just pick them up. Like that's like my entire base understanding. Of <laughs> all, all I know is I learned about the stock market, which is uh, like not the <laughs> stock market. It's stocks of corn, I guess. I don't know. Not the stock market either. That's a whole different <laughs> Not the stock market, no. Oh, all the memes are are dank and also very dank. So, uh, but they did that an episode, and then they did an episode about uh, how Trolls World Tour, the movie that just came out, might be changing the face of movie theaters. So I recommend listening to those. I'm going to join them tomorrow, and we're going to talk about one of my favorite movies, The Rocketeer, which, you yeah, haven't watched it. I you can listen to the podcast. So I encourage all the Bone and Beam listeners to go check out nerd association and subscribe to that as well 
All right, that's it for us. Thanks again for checking us out, and uh, we will see you soon. Beamer, enjoy the golf. Thank you, Bone. Goodbye.